wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. In comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. How can you not get excited listening to baseball with the Royals on a Monday morning? So exciting on Locked On Royals, even though right now baseball's future looks gloomy. So let's just let's just jam out to baseball with the Royals right now. Uh, but uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about the latest news from the negotiations to return to play between the MLBPA and the MLB. And this show is brought to you by Billboard. Go to Billboard.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order at Billboard.com. I'm Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. So, again, this show is going to be covering some loose ends from the weekend that we did not get to last week uh, and then talking about what this week holds for the MLB and for this show. Uh, so let's just dive into it because we're going to touch on what we already kind of did last week, and it's going to go back and forth between what we've covered and haven't covered because there's new information given uh, to each situation. So let's start back with what we were ripping the Oakland A's for last week, which was them stopping to pay minor league players, not giving them the $5,000 uh, that they would have otherwise. Uh, since then, Kansas City has agreed to pay their minor league players the $400 a month through the end of what would be their season. Again, baseball players only get paid for the season. They're not get paid all year round. Uh, so good on Kansas City. They're going to step up. They're going to pay the players. And it's gotten a ton of good publicity for the franchise, for the team you love. So that's been awesome. I just cannot believe that the owners chose not to pay minor leaguers. And I get there's not going to be a season this year. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, is $1 million for a billionaire worth this bad publicity, worth this backlash? And the most important part of all this, forget the money, okay? We've talked a ton about money on the show, and I get it. That's not popular amongst people out there listening who might have lost their job, who might have lost their income, or at least some of their income. We've all been hit by this. Some of our income, just in podcasting, even though we've been churning out podcasts, has changed. So I totally get it, and I empathize with you. So let's forget about the money right now. Let's talk about communities. That's what everyone here listening to this show is in a community, is living in one. Uh, and essentially... Ending minor league jobs, you know, releasing them from their contracts, not paying them, uh, or even worse, not paying them and then not releasing them. Uh, but still, you've seen teams release players outright, uh, and it's all setting up to eliminate minor league baseball at some levels in some communities. And it's been trending that way for the last year, uh, but this really reaffirms it. And that's really dangerous. It's dangerous for the game of baseball. It's dangerous for those communities. And it's dangerous for the people in those communities. I know that on paper, you know, AAA baseball, single-A baseball, it doesn't get the juices flowing the same way that Major League Baseball does. Uh, but, look, it, it helps grow the game. It's affordable to go to AAA games. It's affordable to go to AA games, to, to single-A games. And in that, in going to those games, you get experiences. You can see all-stars before they're all-stars. 
even if you just see career minor leaguers, you can grow attachment to them if you go to enough games. You can grow attachment to that. And it provides another thing to do in your community, in your city, uh, that feels big league, that feels you know, the same sort of passion and camaraderie sports do. And it's just another evening out. I remember in Oklahoma city that used to, that used to be the biggest thing you can do. They used to be the most fun thing you can do in the summertime. Uh, now the thunder have started, you know, coming around, uh, since they've moved here and been a playoff team brilliantly, uh, that's kind of changed a little bit, but you know, triple a baseball used to be the thing in Oklahoma city. They used to be what you did in the summer. And it's gotten me into baseball, uh, more so than I would have otherwise. Cause you know, the, the, the trip to Kansas City is six hours, and I still take it, and I still go to the Royals games, but it's six hours away. The trip to Oklahoma City is like an hour away. I, I can go to a lot of AAA games whenever Omaha comes to town and see uh, who we're going to be watching on TV in a few years. You know, I saw Moustakis. I saw Hosmer. I saw all those guys before they got to Oklahoma City. Before they got to Kansas City, I should say. So, minor league baseball is a big deal, and eliminating that from communities hurts community income, com- community uh, finances, you know, revenue streams. It hurts local businesses around the ballpark that you might stop at before the game. It impacts a lot more than just paying players and paying minor leaguers and paying baseball players. Uh, so that is something to monitor as we move forward. Uh, again, there's now AAA baseball in, in Wichita. Didn't you expect that to be something huge? I mean, what else are you going to do in Wichita? No offense to people listening in Wichita. There was actually quite a few of you. I, I appreciate all of you, but uh, may, you know, what else are you going to do in Wichita besides go support the, uh, what are they, wind surges, I think, or, or something like that? Uh, and I was excited to go watch them come to Oklahoma City for the first time. You know, as Wichita, of course, they've been here before. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, it's a sad day in baseball whenever we're seeing minor, leagues, uh, minor leaguers get fired and, and possibly teams losing, uh, you know, affiliations and things like that. Uh, because, Again, I'll admit that I'm a nerd. I've grown attachments to these AAA players that none of you have ever heard of, like Jack Murphy <laughs> and guys who never really panned out, like Johnny Giovatella, uh, Jay, uh, you know, uh, I have a Maxwell's autograph. I mean, there's a ton of stories I can tell you about AAA baseball games that I've been to in my life, but that's uh, so another podcast. Uh, but it is sad to realize it. And again, Oklahoma City's not going to lose their team. Wichita's not going to lose their team. Uh, but some of these lower markets, some of these uh, lower levels are going to lose teams. And that is sad. Again, for the players and for fans alike, because it does help grow the game. Again, it's affordable, uh, it's easy to go to, it's easy to get to, and it helps you teach people about baseball and really grow the game. So that sucks. So again, that was a bit self-involved because I do enjoy minor league baseball uh, more so than the average person. Let's move into some general MLB news because uh, this is a big deal. Uh, Jeff Passan, who's been all over every baseball news since the end of time, Kansas City legend Jeff Passan, tweeted out today, that the MLBPA has delivered a proposal to the MLB. Uh, They delivered it on Sunday afternoon. A source familiar with the situation tells ESPN it includes a 114-game season that would end October 31st, the right to opt out of the season for all players, and potential deferrals of salary if 2020 postseason is canceled. That's a lot to unpack. It's a lot to unpack. This on the heels of the Sunday morning report, that owners, which I told you last week, that owners are fine not playing this season. A couple of them are, which I'm sure is a more uh, popular stance amongst owners than we know about, even though we only know about a couple of cases of it. But nonetheless, so let's further go into this plan. Uh, players opting out would be those who are considered high risk. They would still receive salary, whereas others would receive service time only. So if you opt out because you personally are considered to be high risk, whether that be diabetes uh, or any other health risk and compromised immune system, you would receive both salary and service time for not playing. If you're just opting out because 
you know, you just don't, you just don't want to risk it. You just don't want to play. You just don't want to be in that environment, especially if you have family members who have immune systems and things like that. I think if you have family members at home uh, with compromised immune systems, you should be able to fall into the high risk category yourself and still get your salary. Uh, because listen, this is not like the NBA. Every plan we've seen does not involve a bubble. You know, since March, we've only seen playing at home ballparks. And what that means is trusting your fellow teammates and trusting your guys that, hey, even as states reopen, you guys are staying home. You're going to, this, you're going to the game. You're going home. That's it. Do you trust 50 guys, if we're going to expand the rosters, do you trust 50 guys as states reopen to, con- to continue to do the right thing? I would say most of them will. I can't say with certainty everyone will. And it only takes one guy to get it, to spread it around the clubhouse. You return home to your family because you're not in a bubble. You can go home and then something happens and that would be devastating. So this is a higher risk, even though that there's social distancing in the game of baseball itself, this is a higher risk than the NBA returning because the NBA is planning on doing a campus bubble style thing in, in Walt Disney World. The MLB is not. The MLB is working on the honor code. And while I hope the honor code works, I, I don't know if I trust it with my high risk um, you know, situation at home with my mom. I don't know if I would trust it to return. I really don't. And I think that if a player has reservations about that to protect someone that they love and they live with, then that's very valid to, to earn them their salary and their service time. But I guess if you're just going to sit out for the sake of sitting out, you do should you really should only earn service time. And even that's kind of iffy if you're just sitting out for the pure, uh, for the pure situation of just sitting out. Uh, but nonetheless... Furthermore, the players will receive $100 million total advance during the new spring training. What? Furthermore, players would receive $100 million total advance during the new spring training. I don't get what I'm missing there. They would So at total, players would shell out and share between them $100 million in spring training. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, so the plan also includes... Two years of expanded postseason to 14 teams, I believe, is what we're going to get to here in a second from passing. Uh, the inclusion of potential deferrals by players is an olive branch, even if it does apply just to a canceled postseason. It would defer $100 million total, apply to players making $10 million or more before proration, uh, and would do so with interest to make, owner, to make players whole. Uh, it opens the door to more. So... Again, I, I expect the expanded playoffs to be 14 teams, I think, uh, is what we've been reading all about. Uh, let's let's break this all down again. The money aspect, let's just go ahead and skip over that. Let's talk strictly this time about the uh, players. And I've been very hard on the owners put, putting out plans that were never going to be accepted. I don't see how this gets accepted. And I tweeted out as such. And so now I railed on the owners of, of having just awful plans that I don't think that they even wanted to get accepted, that they knew would not be accepted. It feels like the MLBPA is putting out a plan that's equally as stupid. I don't care about the deferrals. I don't care about uh, the possible losing money themselves if there's no postseason. That's all fine and well, and that's good on them, sure. The owners are not going to set themselves up to have their postseason canceled. Okay, we're not playing more than 80 games this year, and both sides need to realize that. And I think that the owners have realized that part of it is that we're not playing more than 80 games. That gives you the best chance to, to the best chance to play a season and the postseason, and that's it. Before a second wave possibly comes, once we get to flu uh, flu season, maybe a second wave of COVID spikes up. And you're not going to put yourself in a position to where you're ending the season on October 31st, uh, and then 
okay, November 1st comes, COVID's back, season canceled. Because without fans in the stands, that's the only reason to play baseball this year is the postseason. That's the only moneymaker you have without fans is the postseason. And that's not something the owners will agree to. They're going to agree to 82 games or less. And I said last week that the owners want to play 60 games. The owners want to play 60 games to limit the amount that they have to uh, shell out and earn back the max amount of postseason return. Because you can't play less than 60 and still have a postseason. It's in the CBA. So I don't understand this. The players have already gotten their, their service done. That's one thing that the owners to this point have not backed off of. They've backed off of the original prorated contracts and the original details of that. They have not backed off of service time. So you don't need to play all these games. And I get it. There's not going to be a true uh, feel to the season if it's 80 games. It's not going to be 162 and not even close to that. And there's room for surprise storylines. But with 14 teams, a slow start's not going to kill you in 80 games. Now, it might kill you in 60 games. I'm not going to, I'm not going to derail that idea. But in 80 games, 82 games... A slow start's not going to derail you if you get 14 chances to be in the postseason. Especially if we throw out the, the uh, conferences. If we're going to go uh, with a regional division and only play within your region, then 14 teams is more than enough to get in. More than enough to get in. If we're not going to look at ALNL. If we're not going to look at leagues. Now that part has not been confirmed yet, but that's what's been the rumor uh, around this whole story all along. So, I bashed the owners. I'm bashing the players here. All right, everyone can get bashed on this podcast. Uh, this was a, this is a deal I think that the owners will just laugh at the same way players laughed at the last uh, proposal from the owners, because again, they can say all they want to about how they're gonna, you know, have deferrals for the salaries if 2020's postseason's canceled. That's all fine and well, but why would the owners agree to set themselves up to have the most amount of, you know, the most probability to get the postseason canceled? And it might not happen. There might not be a second wave. This is not a confirmed thing that there's absolutely, positively, 100% going to be a second wave. However, if there is going to be one, most people project it to happen in late October, November, and around the normal flu season. So why would the MLB just let this season continue on there before we get to the postseason, which again, without fans, is the moneymaker. It's where you're going to get your big bucks. So we'll wrap up this conversation and more after the break. But first, I want to say about our good friends over at Built Bar because Built Bar has been great to us. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get $10 off your first order. I personally love, 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 love any flavor that says peanut butter. If it has peanut butter in the name, go ahead and add it to your cart and go ahead and buy it. I also love the banana nut bread. And, you know, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It has all the protein you're going to need for low carbs, low sugar. That's a big deal. That's a big deal for trying to, you know, lose some weight or anything like that. Or you're trying to watch your carbs and your sugar intake. This does not overload you and weigh you down with sugar. It does not have too many carbs. It has 110 calories. You can use it pre-workout, post-workout. You can even use it to replace a meal. I've used it as an entire breakfast. It's that filling and it's that tasty. You don't need to need to fight to get it down. If you've been big in the protein game, you know that these bars sometimes are difficult to get down. They have that chalky aftertaste, that weird aftertaste. Built Bar eliminates all of that. It's simply a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I cannot recommend them enough. BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCKDOWN. Get $10 off your first order. So this proposal by the MLBPA is not something I expect to be to be agreed upon. It's something I would say for the MLBPA. It is something that, that you can counter with and you can be reasonable with. 
what the owners have done have been a slap in the face. Now, do I think that 114 games is stupid and it's never going to happen? Yes. However, it's something to work with. It's not as outlandish as what the owners were, were you know, trying to throw out there. I think we're not going to see any more than 82 games. If, if we see more than 82 games this year, I would be stunned. Now, again, I'm, I'm not the end-all be-all. I don't have all these great sources. Uh, but just reading the tea leaves and, and reading up on the situation, I don't think there's any way we see more than 82 games. I just don't. But again, this is, a, this is the closest starting point we've seen where you can reasonably say, okay, with, with what the players have given up, they've given up their salaries if we don't have a postseason, they've put deferrals in, they've done this and that. Then from there you can say, okay, the owners can look at this and say, okay, we'll take out the 14, take out the 114, change that to 82, and now we have something. Now we have something here. With the owners' proposals, though, and again, not to, not to keep bashing the owners because I know some of you, for some reason, have been all over Twitter promoting these owners. Uh, but from the owners' perspective, there's been nothing. You've, you've had to rewrite the entire proposal for them. Uh, for the MLBPA, the only thing in here that you'd really have to rewrite is the games played. There's no way that the owners will allow them to play 114. I really don't. I really do not think so. Would it be awesome? It's more baseball. Of course it would be awesome. But I do not think there's any way that owners will allow the players to play. 114 with no fans. So, speaking of no fans, let's transition into this real quick. Texas has given the okay to sports teams to have up to 25% of fans in their outdoor stadiums. Up to 25% capacity outdoors. Does this matter? No. It's something for the Texas legislators to say, hey, look what we did. Look what we did. We're trying to get life back. We're trying to get sports back. In reality, it doesn't matter. No sports league is going to allow the Rangers and Astros to have fans, but not the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Mets. Is Texas ready for fans to be in sporting events? If you can figure out a way to do it, go go ahead. I mean, heck, they've already their state's almost almost back to totally normal. I mean, Texas is almost already back to totally normal. And Kansas City is, is releasing restrictions. So these certain areas, sure, they could handle some fans if they can get people in the game. That's the hardest part of all this. It's not the, the, the spacing. Once you get in the game, it's getting in the game without you know having large mass gatherings in the concourse and things like that. So does this matter, though? No. Again, this is something that the legislation can say, look at me, look what we've done. Uh, but in reality, the, the uh, MLB, the NFL, they're not going to allow sports to return to uh, fans to return to some stadiums and not all stadiums. That's an unfair advantage. That's a stupid advantage. That's just not going to happen. It's simply not going to happen. We will not see fans in the stands until every single state, every single arena, every single stadium can't have some fans in the stands. We just won't. So this doesn't really matter. And I don't know why Texas made this huge deal about that last week uh, with everything going on, but they did. So I just wanted to address that real quick. One other news here, which ties into what you guys can expect this week on Locked On Royals, uh, the MLB draft. It'll be held on June 11th and 12th. It'll be a five-round draft, which you can go back on your podcast feeds and find what, where I've had my comments about the draft this year and what I think about this new format. Uh, but anyway, it'll be a five-round draft. The first round starts at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. The rounds two and three, that'll be 6 p.m. Central Time on, on June 11th. 
Uh, the rounds two through five will be on June 12th at 4 p.m. on ESPN2. Both rounds will be shown. Both days will be shown also on MLB Network. But ESPN is something that almost everyone has. Some people do not have MLB Network, so I wanted to give the ESPN, uh, again, the ESPN broadcast. So again, June 11th at 6, check in to ESPN. Uh, June 12th, check in to ESPN2 at 6 and 4, respectively. So again, I'm going to have our draft guys who are doing great work on Lockdown MLB this week. Uh, come on the Lockdown Royals show, talk all about prospects to watch for, uh, talk all about possible draft strategies for the Royals, talk all about what you can expect next week in the draft, and I'll try my best to contribute to that conversation. But again, I don't got much to add to these prospects who we saw, what, two weeks of, maybe, of college baseball, so I don't have a lot to add to it. Uh, but I'll have them on. They know a lot more about the draft than I do. And then from there, we'll hopefully have a plan in place. I mean, I'll tell you this. Last week, I was really down and thinking that there's no way we have baseball this year. I was really down. This week, I would put it 50-50. I'm not going overboard, but I'd put it 50-50, which, again, is more than I had it at last week. So this week, I'm feeling more positive about the game and, and the possibility of baseball returning. It's not going to be 114, though. I can tell you that right now. So throw that idea out of your head. But this has been a fun show. I hope you enjoyed it. I've been appreciating all the support. Again, we started a baseball podcast in January and haven't played baseball since then. So maybe maybe it's me. Maybe I'm jinxing the OMB. Uh, but I appreciate the support throughout all of this. And you guys have been great here in Royals. I don't like to say nation. What, what, what would we call the Royals fan base? I don't know. Follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore styles. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Royals.